This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. You can now download our recently published AE Industry Trends Report, which contains answers to the following questions. How long will the great resignation last? Are firms still allowing remote work and how is it affecting their productivity? How are successful firms using data to create people-centric cultures? You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. What role do civil engineers play in public works? I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, I'll be talking with Matthew Douglas. Matt is the Public Works Operations Manager at the city of Sugarland, and Matt has an interesting journey in that, in that, first of all, he's very young in his career, but he's already worked for both a private consulting firm, relocated across the country, and took a job in public works, working on the government side. It was interesting to have a conversation with him to hear about kind of the differences between the two, what public works really entails, and how many options a civil engineering professional has in public works. It was a really interesting conversation, and I really hope that you enjoy it. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week, and I have with me our guest for today, Matthew Douglas, Public Works Operations Manager at the City of Sugarland. Matthew, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And so just to kick us off here, Matt, in your own words, tell our listeners a little bit about your career journey up to date and kind of how you got into public works. Right now, in my fourth year working for the city of Sugarland, I started off doing some design engineering in the water resources uh, sector, more so like streamline restoration, stormwater BMPs uh, back in Baltimore. Then I moved out here to Texas, um, around the Houston area, of what works ever since. You started in private consulting and then made that transition to public works. Talk us through that decision-making process a little bit, Matt. Well, it was a conversation that I had with my wife with that. And, uh, you know, we were wanting to move, wanting a little bit of change, wanting to step up. And um, I saw an opportunity to work with the city of Sugarland. So I took it, interview went great, got it pretty much immediately. And uh, since then, I've been working uh, within water utilities, and then I hopped over to the streets and drainage side of uh, public works. That career change, I basically went from design to more of like a managerial role, where now I'm just uh, pretty much managing projects. Did you first decide that you were going to relocate to this geographic region of the country and then look for a job in public works? Or did you say, let me just look and see where jobs are? Well, we decided that we were going to move to the Houston area first. And then I said, well, I would like to kind of go into like the government side of things. So that was always kind of like top of my list. I saw an opportunity. I took it. Um, I did apply to some other opportunities out in this area as well, but they responded the fastest and that uh, the opportunity looked great. I thought it was a great chance for me to get, you know, right where I needed to be. You know, I love the, uh, the structure, the stability. And it was also just a change from design engineering. I didn't want to just sit behind a desk most of the time. I like to be more active. So I went for it. 
That's great. And just so people are clear on kind of your role, you're managing or overseeing the construction side of projects and you're visiting sites and stuff like that, correct? Correct. All right. So it's more interactive, not just sitting, like you said, designing. You actually have to get out there in the field, see things being built, making sure that things are being built, I guess, the way they're supposed to be built. We go through all of the phases. I mean, like I'm usually the person that sets the scope. I looked at all the problems that we have. I uh, uh, control all of the assessments that we do. And then I will actually uh, get my contractors or uh, my projects started. And um, then we'll coordinate all of the inspections and make sure that everything's done correctly. Just before we dive a little bit more into that, into a little more detail, let's talk about public works in general. For those listening that aren't that familiar with what public works is and why might a civil engineer get involved in that, what is public works? Actually, I have an official definition from the American uh, Public Works Association because public works is so vast that there's not like one general definition, but APWA defines it as uh, public works is the combination of physical assets, management, practices, policies, and personnel necessary for government to provide and sustain structures and services essential to the welfare and acceptable quality of life for citizens. Pretty long definition. The way that I think about it is uh, basically just the management and operations of all of a city's public infrastructure uh, within a governed area for the use of the public. So, I mean, that's everything, your drainage systems, your sidewalks, your roads, your bridges, all of those things are public works. You could imagine that depending on the size of a city or a town or a village or municipality, there could be a very large potentially public works department and it could be a small one as well, of course. But talk to us about what you do in your role at public works, the types of projects. You mentioned it a little bit, but some of the more day-to-day stuff, if someone out there, a listener is thinking, hey, I might want to get into public works, give us a little feel for what a couple of days might look like for you in terms of the types of things you're doing. Sometimes we have uh, uh, directors from the higher-ups, like our city council, our city managers, our directors, where we have a certain goal that we're trying to achieve within a couple of years. Um, For us specifically, it might be just reducing the the amount of structural flooding that we have in our streets, um, you know, to give a better quality of life to the residents of the city. So that will basically uh, call for us to do a study with our engineering department and see, okay, what can we possibly do to improve the drainage systems within the city? For us, that was changing over inlets. You know, instead of having rollback curb inlets or graded inlets, we would uh, change them to type C inlets. So now we do an assessment to see, okay, exactly how many inlets of these certain types do we have within the city? How can we change it? How much is it going to cost? What kind of contract are we going to use? We pair that with our city standards. We get that contract executed. Another side that we typically use is uh, just responding to public comments um, and issues. Another big thing that we have is our sidewalk contract, where a lot of the residents will issue a service request or a complaint about a sidewalk section not exactly being to their standard. We'll go and investigate that through methods of an assessment. We'll determine, okay, what level of reconstruction is actually needed here? Do we need the whole sidewalk section to be redone? Do we need just a patch? Do we need um, a temporary solution? Whatever it is, we'll find that. And then we'll allocate that to the specific project that is used to fix that problem. What I'm hearing you say, Matt, is that you could be involved with talking with citizens on a daily basis or residents. You could be dealing with board members of the municipality. You know, you could be dealing with other consultants, outside design consultants, private consultants that might be working on the project. So it sounds like a big part of this job is a lot of communication on a lot of different types of projects. 
Exactly. I think that especially when you get to the mid-level management level, you have to be a great communicator because you have to talk to the people that you take orders from and the people that you do work for. Being a person that can double up and know exactly how our construction processes go while also being able to explain it to people that may not know exactly how they go is very, very important. But also having the field experience to be able to tell exactly what's happening and to be able to actually run the data and run the assessments on that data as well is very, very important. So you kind of have to be a jack of all trades at Public Works. Let's go back a little bit on that. I want to dig a little deeper on that because this is interesting to me. So when did you graduate with your engineering degree? 2016. Six years ago. You did some work in the Baltimore area. Like you mentioned, you worked for a private firm and then you made the decision to relocate to Texas. How did you, at such a young age, right, not working in government at all, be confident enough to get involved in these types of projects now where you're dealing with board members, you're dealing with citizens? Like, did you go through a training? Was it just like you got thrown on the job and you had people that are teaching you? Like, how did that process look? Because I can imagine someone sitting here listening to us saying, I don't know if I could make that jump and be confident in that. Interestingly enough, I was pretty much just thrown into the fire. When I first got here, I started off as an engineer one. And when I did, it was an engineer one within the public works department. With that, I was an engineer one with water utilities. So I was managing all of the water utilities contracts and projects that they have, all of the rehabilitation projects. Then there was an opportunity for me to move over to the streets and drainage side, which is like the larger construction projects that we have. I took that opportunity. I applied for it. I got that. And now here I am four years after my start, you know, with City of Sugarland. So that's how I kind of just moved up so quickly because I just saw an opportunity and I took it. I think I'm doing pretty well with it so far. When you talk about a transition, I mean, you relocated, obviously, to a completely different part of the country to begin with. Then you got involved in a completely different aspect of civil engineering and, you know, kind of had to jump into it. So let's talk about that a little bit in terms of public works and kind of the career path or the career opportunities in uh, public works for civil engineering professionals. There may be quite a few different career opportunities or different things you can do within public works as a civil engineer. Can you speak to that a little bit? There's a bunch of things. So you can either stay on the rehabilitation side. You can do the general construction work, which would, you would be classified as a general maintenance worker. You can be a field supervisor, a crew chief, a superintendent. You can be a landscaper. You can be a project manager, engineering manager, a senior engineering manager, assistant director. There's so many different things that you do just within this division. And this division in, for this city like, is not exactly cut and pasted to every single municipality across the country. A lot of other departments in other municipalities will have like solid waste, um, environmental services, all of those things in combination within their public works department. So there's so many different avenues that you can go into. Uh, I'm just thinking about the topics that I covered back uh, from my undergraduate degree. We covered uh, water resources, water quality, structural engineering, mechanics of materials, just a bunch of stuff. I mean, when you talked about the types of projects, so rehabilitation being obviously if there's an old, something old that you're rehabilitating, redeveloping, something along those lines could be one aspect of a project that you can work on. But then you could also get into the construction side of things where once that takes place, you're out there on the site like you are. What it sounds like is you can kind of work in a lot of different aspects of civil engineering under a public works umbrella, depending on what you like. 
Exactly. And the reason why I like it so much is because you get that exposure to pretty much all of the different branches of civil engineering with some regard, but it's more like a high level view of things. You're not in the nitty gritty of like coming up with the design and calculations and the CAD drawings. Like you're not doing all of those small parts in order to build up to the big picture. You're looking at the big picture. This is the problem. How are we going to solve it? You figure it out and then you just get it done from there. It's more of like a management slash operations view of civil engineering, which is, it just aligns with my strengths a little bit better. Traditionally on this show, of course, we've interviewed a lot of civil engineers in private practice, and we've gotten some requests for some more episodes dedicated to the public side of things, um, government work, government opportunities. And we recently had Kara Boyles on, who's the city engineer in South Bend, Indiana. So if those of you out there are interested in, again, learning more about public works, she gave some great examples of specific projects they're working on. Matt's talking to us a little bit more overview of like what public works is. So we definitely are trying to create some more content because we know that some of our listeners are interested in getting into this field. And Matt, I would imagine that your first job in private industry really helped you in terms of preparing you for something like this. It did. It helped my mindset a little bit better. Not going to lie, I was definitely like still in the uh, college mindset when I was leaving You know, from university. Getting into the flow of work was definitely a transition, definitely a change. But it was helpful just actually being able to understand and getting like the the fundamentals of things. I mean, you know, yes, you look at plan sets, you look at CAD drawings, you learn certain things when you're in college. But actually getting that real world experience and seeing like how timing really goes into everything and how on the private side, like projects are broken down. And then going over to the government side of the fence and seeing like how we actually administer those projects just makes like a huge kind of like makes like a storybook, really, where you can kind of see like how the whole entire process is put together. You still deal with private consultants on some of your projects. Now you understand their mindset. Exactly. Funny thing is that when I was actually on the private side, they always used to say that government workers aren't doing anything in their offices. We're just pushing pencils and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't think so. Not at all. I've had the chance to talk to Matt a few times and he's always keeping busy going on sites, talking to people that he's overseeing. It's a very busy job, it sounds like, and there's a lot thrown at Matt. And it sounds quite frankly like it's a challenging job, Matt, which in my opinion, you have a challenging job with a lot of responsibilities that keeps things interesting. It does keep things very, very interesting. There's always something to learn. Every year that I've been here, I've learned more than I have the previous year. I've gotten more responsibilities than the previous year. Pretty much they just give me a whole bunch of money to spend and I have to find a way to spend it on my projects. So that forces me to learn a lot. So it's pretty good. For someone like yourself who's young in your career, you're probably getting exposed right now to a lot of different things. Whatever the future may hold for you, it may hold, but you have a lot of knowledge that you've built up now in different areas of civil engineering, which could be beneficial depending on where you want to do your career. And I would imagine in terms of like a civil engineer's role in public works, it's kind of like whatever you want to do as a civil engineer, because like you rattled off all the different types of projects you can work in. If you're a civil engineer, you could probably do any of those things. So really like you fit in anywhere. Exactly. I mean, as long as you have that background knowledge, you can kind of just go everywhere. I mean, like I said before, public works is just more so broad, depending on the level where you are. If you're working on the water utility side, you're just working in a lab, testing out water quality, making the water clean for the residents of the city that you're working in. Maybe you're working on, you know, like a pipe design. 
maybe you're working on like manhole designs or pavement designs, whatever it is, but just getting a general overview and seeing how those projects are actually really coming to light when you're on the public works side. What I like about the idea of public works for a civil engineer, let's say, for example, is flexibility. I think in your career, having flexibility is really important. I have a daughter right now who's in high school and she's starting to think about like colleges and careers. And I'm looking at some stuff with her and she was looking at maybe the possibility of becoming a physical therapist. And to become a physical therapist, you have to get a license. And and with that license, you could do a million things. You can work in sports medicine, you can senior care, work with pediatrics. And what I was trying to tell her is like, what I really like about what I've seen from this so far, it's flexible. So when you get a license and you get out there and you start working, you can decide between a lot of different fields under that one umbrella of a license, which to me is very similar to civil engineering. And what I like about, but even with civil engineering though, if you go to work for a company, let's say a small company, you may only be able to do one type of thing if they only offer one type of service. But it seems like in public works, because there's so many different components of a town, like you mentioned before, in the infrastructure, you can kind of do a lot of things and stay with one organization for a long time. Exactly. Giving you a bunch of different exposures, which makes it so that if you were to leave from that organization, you can speak on a lot of different things for a lot of different civil engineering firms. I guess you prepped. A couple of questions I want to ask you about public works that you mentioned earlier, like in that definition you were reading, a couple of different components of public works, one being project management and one being asset management. Can you talk a little bit about those two terms, what they entail for those out there, again, might be considering this? I would say that those are probably the two of the biggest components in public works. I mean, I think that my municipality in particular is not just the typical one. We're not just being reactive to problems that we have. We're trying to get more on that proactive side, and that requires a certain amount of asset management and project management. For example, we are actually trying to implement drainage improvement studies, projects, all of those things. What we'll do is actually do assessments. And with that, we'll actually gather a list of contractors or a list of projects where we're actually televising and inspecting our actual storm sewer lines that we have within the city. That actually gives us a list of all of the defects or problems that we might have within the city, and we can actually take that data and we can determine, okay, what are we going to do about this? Are we going to um, cure in place? Are we going to pipe blast? What are we going to do? But that ties in uh, so hugely into asset management because knowing the assets that you have within a city, knowing exactly what the components are, like when it was installed, what the useful life is, what kind of material it actually is. And again, that goes back to the mechanics of materials because when you know those things, you can actually make estimations on how much it's going to cost for you to replace that item, what kind of contractor you're going to use, what kind of materials you're going to use to replace it with, how it can typically break. Uh, For example, like if it's HDPE pipe versus a concrete pipe, you already know that an HDPE pipe is probably not going to crack the same exact way that a concrete pipe will. A concrete pipe is probably going to crack at like, you know, at a 12 and 6 or at a, a three and a nine on a clock. Of course, I'm speaking more technical terms here, whereas an HEPE pipe might just bend or flex because it's plastic. That's really what how asset management really plays a huge part because it can help us so that we can make better data-driven decisions so that we can move forward and become more proactive with all of the assets that we have within the city. But of course, I mean, that ties into project management as well. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of rambling right now. What you're saying is helpful. I mean, basically you have project management 
which I'm sure a lot of our listeners heard of, right? Scope, schedule, budget. You're managing those different important components of one project that may take a year, two years, five years, whatever the case may be. Matt gave us an example before, like sidewalk project might be working on, you know, managing that project. Asset management, I think looking at a bigger picture of an asset in terms of the lifeline of it and what's involved for that. I think one example I can give you or analogy as a personal analogy could be like your car, right? If you have a car, you got to keep track of when did I get the tires changed? When did I get an oil change? When do I need to get a timing belt at 100,000 miles or whatever the case may be? So you're able to make sure you keep that car in good shape and you can keep it as long as you can. Well, just imagine that now on a bridge or you know on a roadway or something like that, or a stormwater system where you need to really understand the life cycle of that project. You know, it's your responsibility as a public works department to kind of maintain these different assets for the town. So you can obviously see how many different exciting things could go into this from the civil engineer's perspective. One of the last things that I'll ask you about public works, Matt, is how can someone learn more about it? Like someone listens to this and said, hey, I want to get more into this. I like what I've heard here from Matt. Is there resources or somewhere where you can learn more about public works? AWWA and APWA are going to be two of your biggest resources. YouTube is also a great resource for me as well. I mean, I stand by it. just getting on and just typing up certain things like uh, how do you replace a road? How do you replace a storm drain? How do you replace a sidewalk? And just like finding out exactly what components go into that is extremely important because if you don't know what's going on, how can you actually manage somebody that is doing it? You don't really know what you're talking about. Those are great resources. Uh, Google is also a great resource too. Your PE handbook is also going to be a great reference for you as well. You know, just taking the time to study those things and just getting your feet wet. Just getting into any city or municipality in the public works department, you're going to end up learning something, asking questions to people that are in higher positions than you are. And just, you know, letting them take you under their wing is extremely pivotal. That's actually what helped me a lot because I was never the humble type, never the the type that was uh, not humble enough to go and ask somebody for help or for guidance or for learning. Along with my role in streets and drainage, there's the uh, superintendent, there's the right-of-way services manager that we have here. I can stand to learn about, you know, beautification and landscaping and how to actually like control field staff and making different SOPs and levels of service that we adhere to, learning about, you know, different GIS tactics and all those things. So yeah, you can learn a lot from just people that you work with here. Finding a mentor, even informally, just someone that can teach you on a regular basis is good, I think, in any line of work. And I think that whenever you start a new career or a new job in your career, just having that mentality of being a sponge, you know, asking questions, soaking up whatever information you can, I think is a great approach. One thing that I like that Matt said there is the idea of YouTube, like getting on and looking up videos and learning, because I think one of the challenges that I could see for someone who's a civil engineer, let's say in the private sector, and they want to make that leap to public works or into the government side of things, one of the challenges that might hold them back would be, but I don't really know that much about a lot of things in public works, right? If you take that leap and you say, I'm committed to learning on the job, you can still learn all this stuff. I mean, Matt didn't know everything about all these different things when he decided to relocate across the country and take a job in government. So, As a matter of fact, I didn't know anything <laughs> at all. Which is the point, which is that if you're sitting listening to this podcast episode because you're interested in getting into public works, we don't want you to hear about all this stuff in public works and say, oh my gosh, I can't make that move. I don't know any of that stuff. Well, like Matt said, just said he didn't know any of it either, but- He had the background in civil engineering. 
He'd been exposed to some stuff through design, and he was able to then take that, find mentors there, get on YouTube, read books, whatever he had to do, and learn it. And so I think that's a big takeaway from the episode today is that we're here to show you what the public works opportunity may look like for civil engineers. It doesn't mean that you need to have a certain skill level just to get into the ballgame because you don't necessarily need to do that. So that's an important takeaway. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to wrap up by putting Matt on the civil engineering hot seat. We'll be right back. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. We're back with Matthew Douglas, Public Works Operations Manager at the City of Sugarland. And now we're going to put Matt on the civil engineering hot seat. Ready to go, Matt? Ready to go. So do you have any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine or a lunchtime routine? Just something that you do consistently on a daily basis that contributes to your success as a profession? Eat breakfast, drink a lot of water. I try to get at least 10 to 30 minutes of exercise every single day, if I can, if I'm not too busy enough, and drink coffee. Maybe that exercise comes in the forms of walking around construction sites, but nonetheless, you'll get exercise. Yeah, right, right. Exactly, exactly. Got to be active. Um, It keeps you sharp. Sometimes I'll even just stand up on my desk or something and do a couple squats or something when nobody's looking so I don't look too weird. Try to stay awake, you know, stay sharp. Is there a book that you might recommend to our listeners or a book that you found to be extremely helpful in your personal and professional development? Maybe one that maybe stood out for you? Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. That was probably one of my favorite ones. I think that it just kind of just aligned to like how I think about taking the uh, proactive approach and, you know, kind of just taking things for what they are right now, doing what you can with where you are at. It kind of speaks to how I even got started in this career. Didn't have anything when I started up, but, you know, I started learning over time. I got a mentor for when I started learning uh, from them over time with what I actually had. And it helped me tremendously. The Seven Habits book is often cited as by engineers, I think for a number of reasons. One, we like frameworks, right? It gives you like a really good framework that you can kind of apply. And I do think you could take the habits even one at a time if you want to implement them into your life, which I think makes it a book that's very memorable to people because it helps drive real change, which I think is what you want to try to accomplish with any kind of content. I know you're young in your career, but thinking about the managers that you've had so far, and you don't have to name names, of course, but just thinking about your favorite managers or the managers you worked with, what made them your favorite? Like we're trying to understand here in the world of engineering, you know, what are some of the characteristics of really good managers from your perspective? Well, first I would say that my favorite manager was my first assistant director of streets and drainage when I got started in this current role. The reason why he was my favorite was because he was challenging, but also was not a micromanager at the same exact time. He would challenge you to think outside the box. At the same time, he would allow for you to just like think free reign and say like, hey, well, come up with an idea. Let me know something like, how do you think that we should actually take care of this problem? And it really got me to thinking like, okay, what do I do in this situation? Who can I ask for help? I would say that that kind of aligned with uh, my strengths a little bit more. And I've kind of taken his management style and kind of like made that part of my own as well, because I like that. I think that, you know, people, uh, especially when they're trying to level up in their career, need to be given that option to be able to practice their own things and make their own hard decisions, whether it's going to be right or wrong. They're supposed to learn from those things. Yeah, that really resonated with me very, very well. 
the idea of challenging someone as a manager, but then giving them a bit of a leash to kind of figure things out, like you said, and not stand over their shoulder is a great way to number one, make people feel good. Because if your manager is challenging you, then that means that he or she must believe in your abilities. But then at the same time, they're also giving you the leash to kind of, because they feel like they think you can get it done on your own and you don't need like babysitting all the time. So I think that that's a very good combination for a manager. And I could see why, you know, you could remember that as being one of your favorites for sure. Final question for you, and we call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with a civil engineer, maybe student, recent graduate, someone who's you know early on in their career, and you had 30 to 40 seconds with him or her, what is one piece of career advice that you might give to that young civil engineering professional based on your career experience so far, if you had like 30 to 40 seconds? I would say that you have to find a way to blend passion and persistence together. You can't just be in a job just to be in a job. You have to find some type of way to be passionate about that thing. Find some type of meaning behind it. When you find a meaning behind it, it doesn't really seem like it's work. You won't drag through the day-to-day activities that you're going through. That's pretty good advice in 30, 40 seconds, right? Find something you're passionate about, but then also be persistent at it. Keep going, keep driving every day. Matt, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the Civil Engineering Podcast, sharing your story and your transition, which I know is something that a lot of people are interested in. But Matt, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for your time. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Matt. We've had a couple episodes now on public works, which I think is interesting. In Matt's case, what I think was really interesting was that he did make a life-changing geographical relocation across the country and also change from private to public, kind of two big changes at once, but he seems like for a young professional, he's handled it very well. Remember, you can find the show notes for this episode and all episodes at civilengineeringpodcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at Engineering Management Institute dot org.